that this is the day the Lord has made. And we're supposed to rejoice and be glad. Amen. How many of you are glad to be in the Lord's house? Let's welcome everybody that we just joined with live. We welcome all of you this morning that have joined us around the globe. And any of you are going to get this podcast. We are excited. Jesus has redeemed us from our sins. And He's on His way back to... So we're excited to be. Let's stand to our feet. Let me tell you a couple of things as they come to the uh, uh, worship team comes up. Uh, this coming January, uh, Victor will go into his residency. So that means this next year sometime, they're going to have their doctor over there. So praise the Lord for that. <clears throat> been a long time, been a long journey. Of course, uh, we got some doctors around here, and uh, they know what a journey it is to uh, uh, have to go through all that. But so uh, in Nigeria, Stephen and them, they'll have a doctor here sometime next year. So that's good news. Amen. And I know a lot of you all have sawn into that. And uh, like I said, we got one more year coming up, but that has been a blessing. It's going to be a blessing to them. And we certainly know God's blessed us for that. All right. <clears throat> So you all have seen what's going on here, right? you got the new foyer and all that. And we've spent about $75,000 on that. We've spent about $60,000 on this. So far, we need about $90,000 more. And it's in our pockets, right? So pray about giving so we can finish this out. Now, when we got in this campus here, the Lord blessed us with this. Our commitment was as we go forward not to borrow any more money. So we've done every bit of this going forward. So we just want you to pray about it. Amen. We ought to give God praise for that. And God gave your pastor a new lease on life, so you are stuck with me for a long time. It looks like, uh, looks like I'm going to be around when the Lord comes back. Amen. And I'm excited about that, aren't you? So pray about that. Pray about what the Lord would have you to do so we can get this knocked out and and open that new area. You can look out there and see some things that are going on the platform. We're already uh, starting on the platform there. So uh, I want you to turn, not turn, but I want you to listen to what I'm going to share with you out of Exodus. Now, I usually read a psalm uh, as we get ready to go into praise and worship, and I want to get you all charged up because we enter his gates with thanksgiving, right? His courts with praise. And then we find ourselves going into worship. So I'm going to read to you in just a moment from Exodus 15. But how many of you have got something to be thankful for? Amen. So let's go through the gate. Give me some of that. Long-suffering and mercy. Jesus, salvation. Grace. Peace. Healing. Love. Family. Friends. Hope. Health. Truth. Holy Spirit. Somebody said, Pastor, I'll, go, I'll amen that one. <laughs> we got a lot to be thankful for, don't we? I mean, the Bible says that everything we have has come from God. Every good and perfect gift has come down from the Father of lights. Let me read you this because you may have forgotten this. This is what was going on after they watched God destroy their enemy. It said, and this is how the children of Israel sang to the Lord. This is what they sang said, I will sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider He has thrown into the sea. 
Now, that horse and rider may represent a thousand different things to us this morning. To you that are in this building or to you that are watching. You may have a horse and rider after you. But I got good news. I know a God that can drown them in the sea. Amen. Listen to what he said. He said, The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. Now, when Moses stood at the Red Sea, that's what he said. He said to the children of Israel, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. But he used the name of Jesus there in the Hebrew. He said, Stand still and see the Yeshua of the Lord. So he was prophesying that there's one coming after us that's going to part everybody's seed. Did anybody feel that? Amen. He's going to part everybody's seed. And he says, The Lord is my strength and song. He's become my salvation. He is my God. I will praise Him. My Father's God and I will exalt Him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is His name. Pharaoh's chariots and His army He has cast in the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. And when God shows up, those that are against Him are in trouble. Here's the last verse I want to read to you. Your right hand. Who is the right hand? Jesus. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemies in pieces. That's Jesus Christ. Amen. Say it with me. Some trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Give Him praise this morning. He's worthy. This, this body and this ministry is living proof that God does always bail us out. He's, he's been so and so faithful to so many of us through the trials and tribulations that He is going to show us His glory. We keep getting little bits and pieces of it, but He's going to keep showing us His glory. We're clearing out room, not so you can have more room. We want to see more lost people saved. Amen. We want to see the lost come to Jesus Christ. He is faithful. If The way up you hear this. I got this word last night from the Holy Spirit. The way up is not you getting better at what you think you should get better at. The way up is surrender. The more you surrender, the more the Holy Spirit can use you. It's not your faculties that He's interested in. He's interested in a vessel that He can work through. That's what He's interested in. So the more we surrender, the more God can use us. Amen. Tell your neighbors, say, you need to surrender more. Go ahead and tell them that. Amen. Let's give the Lord some more praise. He's worthy this morning. Children's church is dismissed to the next building. Brother Mike's going over. Rest of may be seated. I really sense God's going to bring His glory in a greater way than we've ever seen here. Uh, and I feel like some of the prophecy that I Gleaned in Knoxville, Tennessee. Some more of that's going to be fulfilled from years ago. Uh, two things I hate. Some of you may remember what that is. I hate a dry, dead, going nowhere sermon. The second thing I hate is to be the one responsible for a dry, dead, going nowhere sermon. So hopefully that won't be the case this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 
37. <clears throat> the Lord just keeps strengthening me. I got plenty of good sleep last night. That's been one of the harder things. So we may be here a while since I slept good last night. Hold your place in Psalm 37 and flip back to Psalm 34 because I want to share something that I normally quote, but I want to read it to you line by line before we go into Psalm 37. It says, The righteous cry out. And you're not righteous because you're good. You're righteous because Jesus made us that way, right? The righteous cry out and the Lord hears. That's good right there, right? He's listening. He pays attention to those who name the name of Christ. And look what he says. He hears. Aren't you glad that's not all he does? says, He hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Tell your neighbor, say, all your troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who realize where their strength comes from. Blessed are those who realize where their salvation comes from. Blessed are those who realize where all their help and all their good stuff comes from. Blessed are those. The word blessed in that context in the Beatitudes is the word markarios. In the Greek it means recipient of divine favor. So when you read those Beatitudes, and actually the word blessed in the Old Testament is one of those words that's very close to the same thing as Greek. It means recipient of divine favor. Now that is the greatest favor that any of us can have. Is divine favor. Can you say amen? amen? You may be trying to get in with somebody, and that's, maybe that's part of God's plan. But the greatest plan is when you and I get in with the Lord. Amen? amen? Then look at the next verse. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. That's twice he said that. Amen? You think he means it? He guards all his bones, and none of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of His servants, and none of those who trust in Him shall be condemned. Let's give the Lord some praise for that. Amen. We are not going to be condemned. Now, thinking about that, let's go into Psalm 37. Psalm 34 was written most likely from the cave of Adullam, where David had holed up, and he was waiting on the Lord. He brought all those who were in debt, discontented, and discouraged. Now, how would you like to be the leader? And that's the group God brought you. Everybody who was in debt, everybody who was discontented and discouraged. But those people were looking for some hope. And God had been raising up a man after his own heart who had a lot of hope in him. David had some failures along the way. He had some battles along the way. But he always looked to God in every situation. He'd always talk to God. And, he, and, and if you read Psalm 121, 122, and 123, in fact, let me just turn over there before we go on into Psalm 37. In Psalm 121, this has been misquoted a lot. It's like people are looking to the hills for their help, but that's not what we do as believers. <clears throat> if I can get past Psalm 119, it's a long chapter. In Psalm 121... The psalmist is saying, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence come my help. And here in this new King James, I have it as a question mark. And that's a pretty good indication. In other words, if you could see the psalmist in Hebrew writing, he'd be shaking his head no. He wouldn't be saying, I'm looking to the hills for my help. 
and songs have been written out of context and everything. That's not what he's saying. Keep all this in context because there were no chapters in the original Bible. Eusebius and his boys broke that up later on. But this psalm would go all the way through Psalm 123 especially. And here's what he says in Psalm 123. He says, unto you, not the hills. And use capitalized. We know he's talking about here. He says, unto you. I lift up my eyes, O you who dwell in the heavens. In other words, the psalm's saying, I'm not looking to the hills. I'm looking past the hills. I'm looking to the one who owns the hills and owns all the cattle on the hills. Can somebody give the Lord some praise this morning? (laughs) So he said, I'm not looking to the hills. Why? Because the hills were where the high places were at. That's where they worshiped false gods. That's where they did things we can't even talk about. That's where they sacrificed their own children to Molech and smoke dope and all those kinds of things. That's what Israel was doing out on the high places. That's why when Josiah became king, he was one of the few kings, if not the only king, that didn't just clean up everything he saw. That's what most people do, right? Politicians and everything else. They just clean up what they can see. But the Bible says Josiah went out onto the high places and he tore down all their altars and he tore down all their false gods and he had all the false priests killed and he went so he was so adamant about it. The Bible said he had those false priests bones pulverized and scattered them out on the high places. In other words, he said, we're going to do this right. The Bible said, he said, go get the Word of God. When he was just a teenager, he said, go get the Word of God. And when they brought the Word of God to him, he, he was so distraught about how far away they were from God. And he made up his mind that he was going to follow God and His Word and do something about it. So I'm going to tell you something, folks. I'm not looking to man to fix what I need fixing. Can I use that word as a good country boy? I'm not looking to some false religion to fix what I need fixing. I'm not looking for money or a new job. I'm looking past the hills. I'm looking to my God and Savior who is on His throne in heaven. Now when King Uzziah died and Isaiah, Isaiah was distraught. And he was distraught because King Uzziah was a pretty good guy. He was a good king. He did things mostly the way God wanted. And so King Uzziah was concerned about who would be on that throne. And that's how we are a lot of times, right? When we look at our culture and we think, well, who's going to be in charge and who's going to be? Well, God showed up. The Bible said the doorposts began to shake and the glory of the Lord covered the temple, right? And he spoke to Isaiah and he showed him a vision of himself high and lifted up on his throne. Basically what God was saying to Isaiah, he was saying, it don't matter if that throne's empty down there. It don't matter who's going to sit on that throne next. What matters is that I'm on my throne and I am high and lifted up. And that's the good news for all of us. You may see bad things. We all see trouble all around the globe. But i got good news for you. God don't sleep. He don't slumber. He's still on the same throne. He's always been in. He's the ancient of days. He's in charge. He rules Russia. He rules America. He rules South America. He rules the whole world. And the government of the world is going on his shoulders. So now let's try to get to Psalm 37. He said, I ain't looking to the hills. I'm looking past those hills. And that's what you and I need to do. It's easy to get caught up in the life and the culture you live and start thinking, I need more of this and more of that. You need more of the Holy Spirit. It's what you need. We need all the trust in God. We need more of His Word. That's what's going to make the difference in our lives. We need to sow into His kingdom. That's what causes us to endure. Now look, David, this is probably a culmination. Psalm 34 
was from the cave of Dulam, most agree, and the theologians agree that mostly this was a culmination of a lot of his experiences. And so he's trying to give us a sermon here. He says, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. In other words, don't envy people that aren't walking with God, even though it may look like they're prospering. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Look at this next verse. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. That's what we should be focusing on. I know there's so much trouble in our world today, and it's temptation for the flesh to do this, do this, but we should be feasting on God's faithfulness. Keep your relationship up with God. Stay maintained. And look at the next verse is going to call, call us to do that, or the second one down. He says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself. In other words, what the world would want us to do and what Satan would want us to do when trouble's around is to lose our focus on God and start focusing on other things. But that's not what the Bible teaches at all. When hard times come, that's when we need to focus more on God. Amen? And get our eyes and attention on Him. He says, delight yourself also in the Lord. He shall give you the desires of your heart. You got some desires in your heart? You know what should be the front of that? The lost. The people you know that are lost in your family and people that are on their way to hell today if they don't, if they don't redeem, get redeemed today. That should be the first thing in front of our... We should care about the things God cares about the most. God don't care about your family heirlooms. God don't care about all that. Let me tell you what God's going to do when this thing's over. He's going to burn all this stuff up. And the Bible says we didn't bring anything into the world and we're not taking nothing out when we leave. That means all of us. Every sin, the richest person in the world and the poorest person in the world all have the same lot. You didn't bring nothing into this world. You're not taking nothing out when you leave. So you need to be and I need to be feeding on God's faithfulness. We need to stay focused on Him. Look at the next one. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him and He shall bring it to pass. We we got to quit praying these prayers like uh, uh, in the heat of the month. We need to live a lifestyle. Of prayer. That's why he said pray always. And we need to be committed to the Lord. In the New Testament, it says it like this Submit, resist the devil, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How about a life where the devil's trying to get away from you instead of you trying to get away from him? That's the kind of life God's offering us. And that's the kind of life I want to live and step into because we need to get a hold of this. Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. And this is a big one right here. And if, if the church ever gets a hold of this as a whole, the devil's in trouble. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of us. Now I'm going to tell you something. Everybody says what the preacher thinks. I believe there was a day or 24-hour period or maybe three days where all the demons from hell were right there where Jesus was at. Because the devil knew if he could keep Jesus from coming out of that grave that he could stop everything God had planned. But I don't know how many demons there are in hell, but probably millions of them. And you got Satan who was dumb enough to get kicked out of heaven. Yeah, that's right. That's pretty stupid when you got it made and you get kicked out of heaven. But whatever it was from Satan and all the demons, they could not keep Jesus from coming out of the grave. 
And He's alive and living in us. Give us the Holy Spirit to live in us and consume us. And not only that, but the Bible says a third of the angels were all that followed. They don't give us a number. But that means two-thirds stayed in heaven, right? So God's got two angels to every one the devil's got, right? And now Jesus has got His foot right on top of Satan, and his heel has been bruised because he's crushed the serpent by coming out of that grave, right? And now I've got the Father and the Holy Spirit to work on my behalf. How can I not win? So the psalmist, may see my glasses? There they are. The psalmist says, He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, your justice as the noonday. Here's a good one. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. That's us. We don't have to be in a hurry. I'm, I'm hearing more of that. We can wait on God. He's got it all under control. Amen. He does not use a watch. Do not fret. There it is again. For because of Him who prospers in His way. Because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. We're living in a time like he's describing where it would be awfully easy to get discouraged. If you have, hold your spot, we'll come back there in a minute. But in Psalm, go over to Psalm 73. In Psalm 73, here's what the guy who's watching the world and getting antagonized by the world, let's listen to what he says and then let's listen to what he concludes. In Psalm 73, this guy is watching the wicked do okay and he's struggling. Now that can be a challenge for us. Sometimes we can be walking with God and having all these battles and look across the street and there's that guy over there that don't even give a hoot about God and everything's going his way, right? Listen what he said. Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, right? That's what attracts a lot of people. That's what attracts a lot of young people when they get out, get a little older. And even though they've been raised in church, they like the money and the fame and the wealth of all that they see with the wicked and with the people who are not following the Lord. And that, uh, that's an attraction to them. And this guy's battling. You see his battle. He said, for there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. Right? They didn't collapse in Amarillo. They seem to be doing fine. They are not in trouble as other men. Not everybody will get that, I guess. It's watching, but some of them. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. See, that's a lie because they've been... But, but that's how the devil works on us, right? They're all doing good, and I'm struggling over here. I'm battling. And then he says, uh, uh, they're not like other men. They, they, therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than a heart could wish. Everything's going their way. They're on top of the world, looking down on creation. That's the old song. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. And we see a lot of that, don't we? We see that. Uh, they set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walks through the earth. They think, you know, have you noticed this from out on the uh, out? toward the left side of this country, that some people, just because they have fame and fortune, they think what they say is more important than the rest of us. I said, come on over to the coffee shop and let's find out what you really know. Tell me how to can some beans. 
Therefore his people return here, waters of full cup are drained by them. And they say, how does God know? See, that's the deception that Satan places in people's lives who trust in things other than the Lord, right? Who trust in chariots and horses. And there is knowledge, in, and is there knowledge in the most... In other words, God don't know what we're, we're big time. We got it all figured out. Psalm 2 talks about the kings of the earth gathering up together to getting ready to overthrow God. What? What coffee shop you at? And the Bible says in Psalm 2 that he who sits in the heavens shall laugh at them. Woo! I like that. I'm glad God laughs. And then he says, then he's, he's struggling. You see his struggle? He's looking at everybody doing good but him, and he's trying to hang on to God. We all face this, and you're gonna, you may face it again before your life's over, or more than twice. You look around and you're battling like everything and everybody else seems to be doing good and they don't even give a hoot about God. But look what he does. He, he's come down to this. He says, Behold, they are ungodly. They're always at ease. They increase in riches. In verse 13, Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. And that's the lie a lot of times Satan tells our young people. You ain't lived yet. You don't know what it's like. Get out here and follow. look what all they're getting in. Right? But that's all a lie. See, Satan don't give you nothing that he don't have death planned for you. Amen. That's how he works. And then he says, he says, they uh, said, I've cleansed my heart in vain, washed my hands in for all day long. I've been plagued and chasing every morning and said, this ain't working. I need to go. But then look what happens. If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood therein. Now, let me tell you something. You got to stay in touch with the Holy Spirit and God's Word. Don't just do it on Sunday. I've told this story over the years a lot, but I'm going to tell it again. 17 year old girl lived in Chicago and in their city. She came home every day. And when she would come home from high school every day, she would go upstairs, shut her room for 30 minutes, and then come down. Her mother watched this for a couple of weeks and started to get concerned. She didn't know if her daughter was doing something she shouldn't be doing, on drugs or whatever. And so finally, she confronted her daughter after a couple of weeks of this and said, Listen, I've been watching you go upstairs every day when you come home from school. Lock your door and shut off for 30 minutes or so. She said, Is there something wrong? Are you involved in something? And she said, no, Mom, nothing like that. She said, but when I leave this house in the morning and I go to my high school here in Chicago, she said, I spend seven and a half hours or eight hours a day and I hear all the craziest, ungodly, sinful stuff. And she said, when I'm in that for about eight hours, she said, I begin to think that's normal. She said, so when I get home, I go up and get my Bible and I read God's Word for 30 minutes to remind myself, that ain't normal, this is what's normal. This is how you're going to be judged. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what your last name is. I don't care what your skin color is. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We will all be judged according to this. There's no secret test coming, brother. There's no secret test coming, sister. Right here. You better get your nose in here and remind yourself that God don't think like Americans. That God don't think like Russians. He's above all that. 
that. He is full of righteousness and He is full of glory and He's the Lord of everything. Hallelujah. So finally, he said, basically, I went back in God's presence and reminded myself, those guys are going under and I'm still going to overcome. Look what he said. He said, I thought it was too hard till I went to God's presence. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down in destruction. Oh, how are they brought to desolation in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors and a dream when one awakes. Look what he says. So the Lord, you shall awake when you awake you shall despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was vexed in my mind. I was so foolish and ignorant, I was like a beast. He said, I was being a dummy. That's right, he was. But we all can be dummies sometimes. Can you say amen? amen? Tell your neighbor to quit being a dummy. A knothead's what we called it. Is that right? We used to call them knotheads. Quit being a knothead. I remember when I was 10 years old, my mama, I had I'd mowed grass for $10. And I, there was a carnival in town. My mom tried her best to talk me out of going. She said, I'll sit here and wait on you. I went in there, I went and gone five minutes, spent every dollar, all $10. You know what I come out with? A little bitty round head. That's what I won with a red nose. It was a knothead. That's what I was, a knothead, right? Don't be a knothead. He says, whom have I in heaven? He said, I was like a beast, right? And nevertheless, I am continually with you. That's what he's saying. He's re-upping his commitment. You see that? He said, I've thought about all this, but I've come back and I remember what you teach, God. I'm on your side. I'm staying with you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I'm going to tell you something, folks. Don't forget that when this life is over, if you're following Jesus, you're going to keep right on living in heaven with Him. He said, my heart and flesh will fail, but my God is the strength of my heart. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. What a beautiful psalm. A guy who overcame, right? Go read the book of Revelation. Who's he talk about? That those that are going to inherit and go to heaven. He didn't say any of them's perfect. He said they're overcomers. Overcomers. You remember that word? We use this word a lot. The word victory in the Greek is Nike, right? That shoe company got that word from the Greek. Why did they do that? They subliminally wanted to tell you that if you use their shoe, you're going to do what? You're going to get to victory. Well, you may or may not. I wore some Nike shoes and got beat sometimes. But if you're in Christ with the Nike, if you got his shoes on, you're guaranteed to win. In the Greek, it's the verb form of Nike there in Revelation, Nikeo. So God is not looking for perfect people. He looked for a perfect man. He found him. His name's Jesus, his only begotten son. What he's looking for is overcomers. You're never disqualified unless you quit. So what I would say to you is the same thing the book of Proverbs says. A righteous man may fall seven times, 
but he gets up seven times. Can you say amen? Don't you quit. Don't you quit. No matter what comes your way, don't you give up and don't you quit. Then he, he, he goes on, he kept saying about how he's with God. You and I can be with God. You're not disqualified because you fail. Get up and keep moving toward God. Repent and keep going right on. The Bible's filled with people who repented. Now back to Psalm 37. I'm going to close here in just a couple of minutes, maybe. How many of you give me five? Five, ten, fifteen, twenty. I already did right. <laughs> Keep preaching. I heard that. <clears throat> he says, he said, do not fret because of him who prospered away. That's where we went to Psalm 73, verse 8. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. That's another challenge in the kind of world we live in. Because people out there are stupid. And it bothers us, don't it? It bothers us, some of this stuff that goes on in our country and not just here but around the world. Cease from anger, but you've got to stay in a place where you can give away the love of God. For evildoers shall be cut off. Same thing we just read. But those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth. Remember the beatitude. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall no, be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of shalom, or peace. The wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him. Think about that. When, somebody, when the wicked's coming after God's people, the Lord laughs about it. Because he knows he's in charge, right? He laughs about it. He sees his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword, have bent their bow to cast down the poor needy, to slay those of an upright conduct. Their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bow shall be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. And that's kind of what the psalmist was doing in 73 there. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? That, a little, that being righteous is the greatest thing that can happen in your life and that happens by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's the greatest thing. Stand still and see the Yeshua of the Lord. And then he says, he says, A little righteous man has bear. The arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. I felt so vulnerable for a space of about two weeks there from that whole deal I went through. But the Lord was the one upholding me and sustaining and going before me and putting people in my path that I had never known before in my life. That, makes, that, that has increased my faith even more to know that how protective and how concerned and how much He watches over us and has gone before us to make a way. Can you say amen? He says, but the Lord, he said, the Lord upholds us, the days of the upright and the inheritance shall be forever. In verse 18, they shall not be ashamed the evil time. In the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. Now, we're going into harder times, it sounds like. A lot of stuff going to happen in the next couple of years, probably, with our world. But we got promises. But if you're going to feed on the things of the world, you're going to miss out. You need to feed on His faithfulness. And that way we can claim these promises. He said, when famine comes, we'll be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be like splendor, and the meadows shall vanish into smoke. They shall vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. 
Don't get afraid. Don't stop giving. Don't stop helping. Don't stop doing your duty with the Lord. Keep doing it. That's how you'll survive. We will feed off His faithfulness. That's how we survive. We don't survive by the world system. In fact, we know that the world system is going to collapse. And then He says, For those blessed by Him shall inherit the earth, but those cursed by Him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way, though he fall. So here, we even see evidence of this. He shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Who is that hand? Jesus Christ. Somebody give him praise. (laughs) Give me just another minute or two here. I have been young and now am old. There's the key that we know that David is writing this out of a conglomeration of his experiences. I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants out begging bread. (laughs) Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise. He's worthy for that. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. I don't know how many times... We read in the Bible that the offspring of somebody is blessed because the head was a giver. The Bible says that the Levites were blessed because Abraham paid tithes before the law came. You think about that now. He gave God 10% before the law was even instituted. And that's why his descendants are blessed. Your children will be blessed by your giving, Dad. And mom, your children will be blessed. And he says that over and over in the scripture. He says his descendants are not begging bread. This guy is merciful and lends and his descendants are blessed. Depart from evil. Here we go. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves justice does not forsake his saints. That's a good word. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forevermore. Job said the wicked are going to lay it up, but the righteous are going to get it. That's how this thing works. You know why? Because none of us own anything when it comes to God. So if God wants to transfer the wealth of the wicked and give it to the righteous, it wouldn't theirs to start with. It all belongs to God. You come in with nothing, you're leaving with nothing. It's all God's. So if God decides to transfer the wealth of this nation to another nation, it's His prerogative to do so. Can you say amen? He says... The wicked watch, the mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom. The tongue of, uh, talks of justice. The law of the God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. What a good word. You guys come to the instruments. None of his steps shall slide. You got a choice to make. And, and I know, don't, don't, no, I, got, I know, listen, unless you're demon possessed, you can still make choices. You may not want to. How many know who Francis Frangipan is? Author, preacher from California. He asked his brother one time, he said, after he'd been saved, he said, I still sin. I said, why do I still sin? His brother said, well, I I still sin because I like it. You make choices. You're going to make choices. Unless you're demon-possessed, you're going to make choices. You and I are going to make choices. And our life will be a... 
a culmination of those choices we make. You can make a choice. You can make one if you want to. And maybe today's your day to decide to follow Jesus. Let's stand to our feet. Maybe you're watching us today on this broadcast. Maybe you're going to get our podcast later this week. The most important thing, decision you'll ever make is to follow Jesus Christ and turn your back on the world. It's your choice. You can make that choice. It's up to you. Maybe you don't want to make the choice, but it's still up to you. Maybe you need to get committed. What did the psalmist say? Commit your way to the Lord and that way you can feed off His faithfulness right now. Everything's up in the air. I don't want to live that way. I don't want to live that way with everything up in the air. I want to know that the Lord has gone before me. He's already been around the corner before I get there. Let's bow our heads. Father, all of us need You. Some of us and hopefully many of us in this building and under the sound of my voice have discovered that and we've surrendered to that. But there are people all around us, Lord. Some may be listening today, maybe someone in this building that haven't surrendered. Our joy, our choice, our day, today is the, today is the salvation of the Lord. If you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. Don't be afraid or ashamed to slip out of your seat and come and ask the Lord into your life. Don't be afraid or ashamed to do that. Every one of us have walked that aisle. And in this church, we use our altar. That's what it's here for. For you to come and do your business with God. If you're lost, or maybe you're a Christian, maybe you're just not serious enough and you see the impact that's having on your faith and your life. Maybe you're a prodigal. Maybe you're away and you need to leave the pig pen and head back home this morning. Whatever your situation is, as we worship Him, this altar's open. You can pray on your own. We'll pray with you. If, you, if you're sick and afflicted, we've got the oil here. We'll anoint you with oil and pray over you. Whatever you need, will you come this morning?